Hello, Michigan fans, and welcome to the first episode of Die Tryin', where we talk about the trials and tribulations of Michigan football and Jim Harbaugh's epic quest to beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're on the verge of the 2021 season, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what you should expect to see this upcoming year here on our first episode, and we will be joined by Austin Meek. He covers the Michigan Wolverines for The Athletic. But before we bring Austin on, let's talk a little bit about uh, your Michigan Wolverines heading into the upcoming season. Um, let's start with where everybody likes to start with, the quarterback position. I, I think, you know, this is the X factor for the Michigan Wolverines this upcoming season. This was supposed to be a strength of Jim Harbaugh's. Um, I think if you throw out the history, the disappointment of the previous six years where we had talent, talented guys. Uh, Brandon Peters was a top 100 kid. You brought in Shea Patterson, who was a five-star recruit. These guys haven't lived up to the hype. But there is talent in this quarterback room, and there is experience. Cade McNamara is going to be the starter. Let's not forget, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school where he set every record in the state of Nevada, we uh, Michigan flipped him from the University of Notre Dame. And if he's there, I don't know if Jack Cohen's beating him out to be the starting quarterback. He might be the future of Notre Dame football if, if he had stuck with the Fighting Irish. And then you have J.J. McCarthy, who is the five-star, but he's a true freshman. Who knows when he'll be ready? But the highest recruit, the highest uh, rated quarterback to come to Michigan since Ryan Mallett. So two very, very talented, highly rated quarterbacks coming out of high school. And then you have Alan Bowen, Bowman, who came over from Texas Tech, who brings experience. You know, you don't want him to be the starter, but he gives you, a, you know, as you learned last year, as many teams learn the hard way, sometimes you don't need two, you need three guys who could get under center and lead your team to a victory. So he definitely uh, filled a, a position of need in terms of filling out the depth in the quarterback room. I think when you go to the skill uh, position players, this running back room is very, very easy to get optimistic about. Hassan Haskins, who came, who originally they thought was going to play linebacker, he's been outstanding whenever given an opportunity. He's a guy who's shown the ability to run through tackles. Uh, we didn't see it a lot last year, but the year before, we even saw some big play potential from him, which was not expected. And then when you talk about big play potential, boy, am I excited to see Blake Corum and the true freshman Donovan Edwards. Blake Corum is an athletic freak. Uh, it was funny because people were trying to compare him to uh, Michigan's all-time leading rusher, Mike Hart who is now the running backs coach, and Hart was like, yo, if I had Blake Corum's speed and, and athleticism, I, I, I might, I'm not coaching because I'm probably still playing in the NFL. You know, that's how talented Blake Corum is. He, he has got that special gear, and from what you hear people say, Donovan Edwards has got an even higher ceiling. You know, he was a, a four-star kid, almost a five-star, top 50-type recruit coming in. One of the best Michigan running backs to come in a long time. Now, we know these stars don't always pan out, but these guys have a lot of talent. And if you're 
comparing yourself, if you want to compare yourself to a Penn State, to an Ohio State, which is how often the Wolverines are judged, Corum and Edwards look like guys who could start for those types of programs. Okay. Now, wide receiver, the question, the biggest question here is you, you lose depth, right? You lose Jackson Giles, who's also, you lose some talent too. Let's be fair. I should be fair. You lose talent as well, not just depth. But you have eight people, eight, eight guys coming in. Two are true freshmen. I think it's hard to count on a true freshman to contribute, which, which brings you down to six uh, receivers ready to suit up. And that could be tough. But if they stay healthy, I think you have the makings of a solid receiver group. Ronnie Bell is an underrated guy. He's been underrated his whole career. You know, didn't have any offers this caliber coming out of high school so he's really blossomed into much more than anybody could have expected Sandra still is a speedy guy but I I, the other guys kind of get me more excited I gotta say you know AJ Henning when he touches the ball he just looks like he could be special so I hope he develops and I hope he becomes a bigger part of the offense uh, this season Cornelius Johnson is another guy that looks like he's got the talent the potential to be a potential number one type receiver uh you know an all big 10 type a caliber receiver and then you have the uh, transfer who's from the state of michigan uh dylan dalen baldwin who was you know not ballyhooed at all coming out of high school but was a productive receiver at, at a lower level and is now looking to step up He's basically looking to establish himself as an NFL prospect. A lot of people like this kid. He came in. This isn't just off of his stats and his production. They brought him in. Ohio State brought him in. And from you know what I hear, Ohio State did offer. And I'm not going to say Michigan uh, beat Ohio State for him. I think it's more likely that Baldwin looked at the landscape and said, hey, that that wide receiver room in Columbus is pretty darn good. Um, I don't, I don't know how much of a chance I'm going to get there. Uh, it's he's got a chance to to play here more, so he could be a, a significant piece this season, trying to get that passing game to come together. He he's a bigger kid than the other guys that Michigan has at the receiver position, so he brings a different dynamic. I think Ronnie Bell is better in when he plays in the slot. So when you have Baldwin on the field, maybe that allows you to do that more often because Baldwin can play on the outside. And then we have the tight ends, which have been an enigma. You know, we thought that's another position we thought um, under Jim Harbaugh was going to be a huge strength, right? Um, Michigan seems like the kind of place that should have good tight ends. When he was at Stanford and San Francisco, tight end was a big piece of his offenses. He always had multiple tight ends. Um, and early on at Michigan, it looked like that was going to be the case as well, but it's, it's dropped off in the last couple of years. So it's really time for guys like Eric All, uh, Lou Schoonmaker, Matthew Hibner to, to step it up, particularly All. You know, we've heard a lot about Eric All and his potential and his athleticism. And, you know, when you, when you see him running routes and you see him grabbing the ball, he does look like a wide receiver, except, you know, he doesn't always catch the football. And that's kind of important if you're going to be a receiving tight end. So let's see what happens with him. He's a big uh, question mark, but could be a a positive as well if he finally uh, comes into his own and and cuts down on those mistakes 
and starts making bigger plays. And then finally, on offense, before we shift gears, we have the offensive line where there are several position battles there. We know three of the starters are going to be Ryan Hayes. We know Zach Zinter is going to be on one of the interior spots. Hayes, obviously, the left tackle. Zinter will either man the right guard or center with Andrew Stuber either playing right tackle or right guard. So we know he's going to be on the right side. We know Zinter is going to be on the interior. It sounds like uh, Vastardis is going to hold on to the center job, at least for now. So that would mean Zinter at guard, Stuber at tackle, and it appears Trevor Keegan has the edge over Chuck Feliga for uh, the left guard position. So I, I think if this is the starting lineup they roll out, I think I'd be happy with that. I think you're getting at least four of your five most talented players on the field because I think if we're being fair, you know, a Rumler, a Trent a. Jones, a Carson Barnhart are probably more talented than Vastardis. But if you move Zinter to center, are you weakening him? And then if you move Stuber to to right guard, is 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 your right guard position getting weakened because your because Zinters would be a better guard than Stuber would be. So in terms of cohesiveness, and this might be the best way to get the most talent on the field individually and max out as a unit. That's the kind of way I view this line. And uh, but just like a lot of these positions. There's question marks and there's talent and there's upside. So, you know, obviously the season will decide how it plays out, but they're going to need to do a better job because as I'm going to talk about with Austin, he wrote about the lack of explosive running plays and how the offense, how Josh Gaddis wants to get back to more running the football. I believe they only ran the ball 45% of the time last year and you don't want to find yourself in that position of needing to throw the other team knowing you're going to throw and you have those talented backs. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about the offensive line. If the offensive line doesn't block, if they don't produce, it's going to be difficult for the running backs to get going. You know, if you're getting hit in the backfield and you're making a spectacular run just to gain two yards or just to get back to the line of scrimmage, the production simply isn't going to be there. Now, defensively, again, there is talent here, folks. They are highly rated kids. You got Maisie Smith, Donovan Jeter, Christopher Hinton, who was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. A lot of, You're hearing a lot of good things about Maisie Smith. Michigan kid, around a top 100 recruit. Um, it'll be interesting to see where these guys fit in, whether Smith is more of the nose or Donovan Jeter is more of the nose. As we uh, as as the Wolverines shift to that three four scheme, you did bring in Jordan uh, Whitley from Oregon State, who's a big body at you know over three hundred and thirty pounds. He's going to give you depth. He's not you don't if he's starting unless he's a big surprise, you, you're not expecting him to start. But he gives you another big body, even if he gives you just you know fifteen reps a game, that could be huge. Um, at, at holding that fort down because they, they need to do a better job than they did the last season at stopping the run. Even the year before, you saw a slip off 
in, in the run defense. They weren't nearly as impenetrable as they have been in the past. And a guy that really intrigues me, you know, just basically off reading about him, not a guy we've seen a lot from, is uh, Julius Walshoff, uh, the German uh, import who who is just a massive man at 6 feet 6 inches, 288 pounds. I used to do a lot of NFL draft stuff. You read about his athleticism. He's on Bruce Feldman, also from The Athletic, the freak list. He's one of those guys on that list, which Michigan always seems to have a couple guys on that list every year. He's one of those guys. So he's not just big. He has tremendous athleticism. He is the prototypical five technique, three, four defensive end. Um, I don't know if he's going to do it. I know I've seen some people write about him. I don't know if, if, if they're, if they're doing that because the same reason I'm doing it right now, the same reason I'm talking about him because he sounds good or because there's actually some Intel, some buzz from the coaching staff that he's showing flashes. But if you're going to build a a three, four defensive end, that's what he's going to look like. And that's the athleticism he's going to have. He he's got the, 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 the raw skills, the raw talent to be not just an elite college player, but potentially even an elite NFL player if if the skill comes along you know that's a big if obviously in terms of the edge you know that's where Michigan's going to get most of their pass rush in Mike McDonald's scheme where you're going to see guys who were formerly defensive ends playing a lot with their hand off the ground as stand-up edge rush outside linebackers and that of course starts with Aiden Hutchinson who you got to say right now going into the season is your best player He is your number one player, a potential first-round pick, a potential All-American candidate, also very high. I believe he was like two or three on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He got injured last year. That didn't get talked about how much that impacted um, the, the defensive line and their ability to create havoc in the offensive backfield to get pressure on the opposing quarterback. Michigan really, really needs him to have a big, big breakout season and and develop into that next uh, Michigan edge rusher to be a first-round pick, which seems to be a continuous thing. You want to keep that ball rolling. Who's going to be opposite him is a big question mark. You have uh, Taylor Upshaw, who's more the veteran guy. He's got the NFL bloodlines, but you know we still haven't seen him really develop into a big-time playmaker at all, but he seems to be kind of the safer guy. So... That's what people are saying, even though we really haven't seen a ton of production from him. Obviously, he's played a little more than David Ojabo, who is the uber-talented guy. You know, he's a guy who you heard so much about, uh, raw talent coming out of high school. Can he cash in? Can he develop? He seems like he is an ideal candidate to be a defensive end who transitions to that stand-up, outside linebacker position where athleticism and speed off the edge come at a real premium. Then looking at the inside linebackers, Josh Ross, Michael Barrett, you know, Josh Ross, I'm fine with him. I I think he's going to have a bounce back season. Uh, He he's dealt with some injuries. He was very disappointing last year, but we saw flashes before that. He looked so good in 2018, uh, he's a Michigan guy. He's 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 from the state. His brother played here. He he's got more than enough physical talent. I'm pretty. He's one of the guys that I'm 
very confident will bounce back. Uh, Barrett, I'm not so sold on. You know, he he came here. He was supposed to be the Viper, high school quarterback, good athlete. Now he's got to transition to inside linebacker. I think people overrated his game one performance last year. And they were like, oh, you know, this guy, he's going to be even better. He's going to be the next Jabril Peppers. It's like, relax. He had an okay game. Ball kind of found him a couple times. And after that, I really didn't see a lot of production. Now, listen, maybe, maybe that's to blame on the defensive line. You know, you got a light linebacker who's in the 220s, who's, who's fast and if the defensive line doesn't do their jobs and offensive linemen get their hands on them, well, you know, it's kind of game over. So maybe he'll flourish if the, if the defensive line plays the way they should play. But I have a, a big question mark next to his name, whether he is going to be a starting caliber player on a big-time defense. Um, there are guys behind him who are, you know, we're hearing good things about Hill Green. Uh, Junior Colson is one of their better true freshmen coming in. Khalil Mullings, a sophomore, is another another highly touted type of guy. They all can play inside linebacker. So it'll be inter- interesting to see if he gets pushed from any of those guys. And then finally, we had the, the defensive secondary, which really, really, you know, killed them last season. Um, Vincent Gray had a really, really rough campaign. It appears DJ Turner is going to beat him out for the starting job early on. At least that's what it looks like. Um, they need they need three guys, four guys to really emerge here. So we're talking Jalen Perry as well. Maybe George Johnson. He's a guy you're starting to hear things about. Um, impressing during camp. Uh, a guy who came in as an athlete. Looked like he was going to be more of a receiver. Now he's playing a corner, it appears. And, and has impressed in camp. Who knows? Let's see what happens when the season starts. But it looks like it's going to be Jamon Green, who got better. He had some rough stop, you know, rough uh, games early on in the season, but improved as the season went on. He's got good length, the type of length they like at the corner position. Um, hopefully, he can he can hold it hold it down. But it's still a question mark as to how if if he's even a, a starting caliber player on what could be a, a, a top 20, top 15 defense in the country. And then opposite him, obviously, as I mentioned, it would be starting with DJ Turner. Maybe we're good. You know, Vincent Gray, we're going to see him play. He, he showed he looked good at the end of 2019, his freshman season, when he started really getting on the field a lot more towards the end of the year. He really looked impressive and they were the staff was high on him going into last year but it was just really a disastrous season. They just need more production from the corner position. And then on the flip side, safety is arguably the strength of the defense where you have Daxton Hill, the five-star kid from um, the state of Oklahoma. You got him from the Sooners' backyard. Alabama wanted this kid so badly. Remember there was a time where he flipped his commitment to Alabama, then came back to Michigan. So he is... You know, the most talented uh, defensive player to come to Ann Arbor since, you know, the Julius Pepper, Rashawn Gary guys came from Jersey. And it would be great to see him play at that level. You know, can he play to the level of a first round pick of a top 10 pick? So you have him, you have Brad Hawkins, who's your super senior. Um, He didn't have his best season last year either. Uh, If he can bounce back, to his 2019 form. I think they'll be outstanding at the safety position. 
you know, two of the better, two of the one of the better safety combos in the country. I'm pretty confident that Hawkins could bounce back into be, you know, an above average type of safety. Then you have you got talent behind those guys. Uh, Page showed some things last year coming off the bench. Uh, R.J. Moten is a guy you're hearing a lot about this camp. So I think it'll be intriguing to see how they use their safeties, how they use Dax Hill. Uh, one of the things that's one of the things I want to ask Austin Meek about is, you know, are we going to see Dax Hill play some corner this upcoming season? Obviously, I think he's definitely going to handle a lot of the slot duties when uh, the other teams go to three wide receivers. So maybe they prefer him in a more versatile role where you kind of move him back and forth from safety to corner without overusing him at corner. Um, but I'm, I'm very curious to see how he will be used at that position. And joining us now, our first guest on Die Trying is Austin Meek from The Athletic. He covers the Michigan Wolverines for The Athletic. And you can find him on Twitter at by Austin Meek. Austin, thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. So, Austin, let me start with the, the quarterback room. I, I get why many people are skeptical because we're talking, what, this is year seven of the Jim Harbaugh era, and we thought by now he would have had, you know, two if not three um, high-caliber quarterbacks, and, and it just hasn't happened. But I think if you just look at this room this season, it's not a bad quarterback room. You have Cade McNamara, who's going to be the starter, four-star kid flipped from Notre Dame who, Hey, if he went to Notre Dame, he might be starting there. You have an experienced guy in Alan Bowman and you have the five-star in JJ McCarthy. Um, am I wrong to be optimistic about this QB room? No, I think, I think there's upside with this quarterback group. I think there's, there's talent, there's experience. Uh, I, I think it's just a question of can Michigan put it all together, which really has been the, been the question throughout. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's tenure. And Michigan has had talented quarterbacks on paper, uh, but it's just that the the production has has never quite reached the potential. Uh, but I think in Cade McNamara, Michigan has a quarterback who uh, who has experience, uh, a guy who has the trust of the team, you know, a respected leader on the team, a guy who's just been really consistent. I think that's the thing everybody says with Cade McNamara is he's the guy who just shows up every day. Uh, and, and you know what you're going to get from him. And I think until JJ McCarthy is, is ready, you know, is, is able to bring that same level of consistency, then Cade McNamara is, is the best option. And, and we'll see, we'll see how far he can take this team. I, I do think that, uh, I do think that Cade can have a good year, but I also think that, um, he is going to need the guys around him, uh, to help him elevate this team in this offense. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I think there is talent around him as well. It's it's a lot of unproven guys. Um, I know you wrote a lot about the need for more explosive running plays from that offensive backfield. You have uh, Hassan Haskins, who I think uh, you and your partner, Nick, uh, warned us not to overlook. But I, Austin, I can't help but get a little more excited when you think about what Blake Corum and even true freshman Donovan Edwards bring to the table in terms of uh, their skill set. Yeah, Michigan should have, a, you know, in Haskins, they should have a, a veteran running back who has, 
produced pretty much every time he's been on the field. You know, he, he's never been the player in that room who had the most buzz or the most hype. Number one running back until somebody goes him. But I also really think Blake Corum is going to be a big part of this offense. They're really different backs. Corum is a guy you won't need. Haskins is just a strong runner who's going to get yards after contacts. So I, I think there's potential with those two. And then when you throw Donovan Edwards into the mix, who can do a little bit of everything, I do think that's a really strong, a strong group. And what I really expect to be the, the backbone of Michigan's offense, Josh Gaddis has said he wants to run the ball more this year. I think they feel like that's their strongest suit on offense is, is their running game and their running backs. So I really expect those guys to be uh, to be featured in Michigan's offense. Yeah. I, th- I think there's a lot of talent, a lot of upside there with those guys. And it's to me, it's kind of similar to the receiving room. You know, you kind of have the reliable guy, the guy who didn't have that many stars next to his name and Ronnie Bell as the proven commodity. And then you have the more ballyhooed guys, the Cornelius Johnson, who I'm pretty sure everybody has as a surefire starter. And then, you know, a guy like A.J. Henning, who I think has a lot of talent. Is he a potential breakout guy this season? I do think. AJ Henning is a guy who needs to touch the ball more. Somebody that I would expect to uh, to have a bigger role in the offense this year. You know, the running back, uh, the wide receiver group is um, it's not the deepest position for sure. They basically have eight guys on scholarship. Uh, I think they feel pretty good about the top six at least. Um, but there's there's not a lot of margin for error there, and I do think that they need they really need the guys like AJ Henning, uh, Roman Wilson. Dalen Baldwin, who transferred in from Jackson State, um, they're counting on those guys to have a role. Um, Ronnie Bell and Cornelius Johnson, number one and number two, I think, uh, on everybody's list when you look at that receiving group. But they need a they need a third guy and a fourth guy to step up uh, and be reliable receivers in this offense. So I've got a few more questions about the receiver group. I do think that there's potential there. Uh, but, but I think that's a group where we really need to see it because a lot of it is you know, maybe stuff that we've heard in the off season, but we just haven't had a chance to see it yet. Yeah. There were a couple of times, I know he wasn't a big part of the offense last year, but there were a couple of times where Henning touched the ball and you're like, Whoa, he, he can move. Yeah. 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 He, he can do some things that not many other guys on this team can do. And I think that's why they really need to figure out ways to get him touches, whether that's putting him in the slot, uh, using him out of the backfield, you can put him outside. You can do a lot of different things with AJ Henning, and uh, I, I would I would expect to see Josh Gaddis try to get kind of creative with him. All right, let's flip to the other side of the ball and talk a little bit about the defense. Um, I, I think the key here is that three man front. I know everybody focuses on the corners, and I understand why, but if you're going to let teams run the ball down your throat. It doesn't even matter if your corners can cover because that's what Big Ten teams will do. And there is, you know, you I, I keep hearing Michigan just doesn't have the talent, right? Well, you have a five-star in Christopher Hinton uh, on the defensive line. You have Maisie Smith, who I think you like as a, as a breakout player, who was, you know, a high four-star around a top 100 recruit. And then you have uh, Julius uh, Welshoff, the six-foot-six-inch, 288-pound uh, defensive end who, you know, you have Mike McDonald coming from the NFL three, four scheme. He is the prototype of a five technique, three, four alignment defensive end. 
you know, probably the rawest of all the guys we've spoken so far, but the athleticism off the charts, right? Yeah, I've never thought it was a necessarily a talent issue for Michigan on, on the interior defensive line. It's definitely been a position that's gotten a lot of focus and a lot of scrutiny. And, uh, you know, it, it was a you know, it, it was a trouble spot for Michigan's defense, no doubt. Uh, but I've always looked at it and felt like they had the talent there if they, if they could just get guys like Chris Hinton and, and Mozzie Smith to play up to the potential that that you saw in those guys as as high school players, then. I think that there is a possibility that this defensive line could end up being pretty solid, but uh, it, it is still, I think, a pretty big unknown. You know, there's a lot that's going to be put on Mozzie Smith this year, and he he just hasn't played much. You know, we didn't see much of him at all his first two years, uh, and now it, it certainly seems like he's going to have a really significant role in the middle of that defensive line. And um, and if he if he comes out there and he holds it down and, and he's a force in the middle of that defensive line, then I think all of a sudden it starts to look a lot different. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's another one of those positions where we're going off of a lot of things that we've heard and not a lot of things that we've seen. And maybe they'll go, go out and back it up this year. And if so, I think it could be a really solid group. But we, we just need to see that on the field. You know, the one proven guy is Aiden Hutchinson. He's on, you know, a bunch of All-American lists, projected as a possible first-round pick, if not a, definitely a second-round guy, depending on the type of uh, season he has in 2021. Uh, who, who, do you th- who do you think we're going to see opposite him as the edge rusher? I think they've got a couple different options. Um, David Ajabo is the guy that, that I would like to see more of because – when you talk about upside, I think he is, uh, he, he's the guy who offers the, the most upside. Um, I think it's possible that he could have a, a career similar to a guy like Josh Uche, who came in as, as a really athletic uh, sort of kind of a tweener guy, you know, kind of a outside linebacker, defensive end, uh, but a guy who grew in to be a really dominant pass rusher by the end of his career. Um, I'd like to see if, if David Ajabo could do something similar. I, I don't know. Uh, they also have Taylor Upshaw, who is more of just more of the, you know, kind of steady guy who's, who's been in the program, who has played, uh, kind of know what he can do and know what to expect from him. I expect to see him out there quite a bit, but I, I think that that second edge spot is one where I don't know that there's going to be that spot. I would expect it to be, uh, based on matchups, based on personnel, you know, they're going to use a bunch of different fronts. They're going to play, you know, odd fronts, even fronts. Uh, they're going to have defensive ends standing up, rushing off the edge, defensive ends with their hand in the dirt. I expect to see a lot of different things, and I think they'll use different guys based on the the personnel and the, the matchups that they're looking for. Now we have uh, Ross and Hill and uh, Michael Barrett are both back senior inside linebackers but uh from what you're hearing hill green is a guy to keep an eye on is that right yeah there's definitely been some buzz about nikai hill green uh coming in as as a sophomore um you know michael barrett is making the transition from playing the viper spot in don brown's defense which was like a linebacker safety hybrid position uh, moving inside to a, you know, a little more conventional, like inside linebacker spot. Uh, so, you know, it, it's possible that a guy like Nikai Hill Green could maybe fit the prototype of, of what Mike McDonald was 
was looking for there. You know, hill green would give you a little more size, a little more length. Um, and I, I think he's a guy that we've just heard good things about uh, throughout camp as somebody who's uh, who's really caught the eye of, of the new staff. And, you know, there, I think there's going to be a few players who uh, really benefit from from the scheme change and may find a role in the new scheme that they wouldn't necessarily have had in the old one. Um, and I think he could be one of those guys. I, I expect him to play uh, somewhere in some capacity uh, at, at some point throughout the season. Now, I, I think if you look at this Michigan defense from the top defenses from a couple of years ago, um, the biggest drop off in, in talent and upside has to be at the corner position, which makes me wonder when you look at the weakness at cornerback and you have Brad Hawkins, you have young guys like Paige and Moten who have showed glimpses of being able to contribute. Is there a temptation to play Daxton Hill more at corner than at safety? I think that's something they will look at. It was something that came up last year when Michigan was really struggling at cornerback. Uh, would it be your best use of your personnel to, to have Dax at corner? Um, I don't think that that's the plan going into the season. Uh, although Dax can play there, um, you know, we'll see. I, maybe we'll see him move around and, and do both throughout the course of a game. I, I'm not going to rule anything out. Uh, I, but I think that, you know, I, I think that they look at safety as Dax's natural position, but they really like the versatility that he has and, and you know, his, his ability as a cover guy. I think everybody said, you know, Don Brown said he thought Dax Hill was the best cover guy in the Big Ten. Um, which makes you ask, like, well, if you've got the best cover guy in the Big Ten on your team, <laughs> you probably should have been playing corner last year because they couldn't cover anybody. Um, so we'll see. You know, I think they're going to start with uh, with DJ Turner and uh, Jamon Green, but having knowing that you have a guy like Dax Hill who can do so many different things, that's definitely a, an asset to have that. All right, Austin, before we let you go, just want to get a prediction from you on the season, the, I know the over under in, in Vegas and, you know, not just Vegas now across half of America, right. Including uh, the state of Michigan where it's legal now uh, to gamble on sports. The, the number is seven and a half, uh, which I think is kind of a low number for Michigan. I know most people are down on the Wolverines, but at the end of the day, you know, eight and four would basically be one of Harbaugh's worst full seasons. So it's not really asking a lot in terms of uh, going over that number, I'm maybe more bullish than most. What, what's your take on, on their season and what's your prediction? I've been in that seven and five, eight and four range pretty much the whole off season. Uh, you know, I do think that there's some upside with Michigan. Um, I think that the roster maybe is a little better than people perceive. If you just looked at what you saw in the field in 2020, I mean, there's still a talented roster. If you look at their recruiting class, there's, um, there's a lot of top 200, top 300 players on this roster. So, you know, this ought to be one of the, one of the more talented teams in the big 10. And I think that that's the upside for Michigan. If, if you're looking for some value there, uh, the downside is just that they, they've got so much change. They, they're trying to completely change what they're doing defensively. Uh, they completely changed their staff. Um, they have had a lot of attrition on their roster too. So uh, I, I'm at seven and five. Um, I could see eight and four or nine and three. If some things break right, I could see six and six or five and seven. If, if some things go wrong, um, but seven and five feels about right to me. 
Yeah, they, they tend to know what they're doing when, when they're making those numbers. They don't make it too easy for you. Right. I, I guess for me, when I look when I hear people talk about comparing the Michigan and the Penn State programs, I feel like the perception is that they're light years apart when, you know, leading up to last year, I think Penn State had, you know, two more wins than Michigan over a five-year span. They've split the last six meetings. Uh, you brought up the recruiting. They're both you know, number two, number three behind, you know, not really close to Ohio state, but definitely ahead of everyone else in the conference. So I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm uh, being too optimistic, but I, I think the team has a chance to, to have a good season this year. Um, Austin, I know I said it was, that was the last question. I got one more for you. Sure. Um, is Jim Harbaugh still going to be the coach in 2022? Oh man. That's the, uh, it's the $4 million question. I, I think if they go seven and five or eight and four and they are competitive in their losses, then I think, I think, yes. Uh, I don't think the bar is quite as high for Jim Harbaugh as, as some people have said it. You know, I've seen people say, well, he's got to win 10 games this year if he wants to be back. And I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Uh, I, I think this year for Michigan is all about progress uh, it's about wins. I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to give the impression that Michigan is at a point where winning doesn't matter because it's still Michigan. You still got to win games. Uh, but I think that there is a realization that, uh, that you know, Jim, pretty drastic call uh, of the program in this offseason. And if you're going to give him the contract extension and give him an opportunity to do that, then I think it signals that that Ward Manual and Michigan really they want to see this through. They want to give Jim Harbaugh every chance to make it work. And if at the end of the year Jim Harbaugh can point to a winning record and signs of progress and signs of, of being competitive against good teams, then I think he'll be back. Uh, if it's if it's a six and six season and Michigan gets blown out by fifty against Ohio State, uh, at that point that that would be a pretty tough sell. All right, Austin, thanks a lot for joining us and giving us some time. That's Austin Meek. He covers the Michigan Wolverines for The Athletic. You can read him on Twitter at by Austin Meek. And, and he doesn't just cover uh, Michigan. He also has a great piece there about college football, a potential players association and player empowerment as well. So more than just Wolverine stuff, if you're into all of college football, not just Michigan football, thanks again for giving us some time, Austin. All right. Thank you. All right. I asked Austin, you know, where he thought about the over-under. Sounds like he's uh, leaning a little bit towards the under. Probably, you know, if we're, use, if we're using true uh, betting terms, sounds like he's more of a, a pass on Michigan at 7.5 as he figures them to be a 7-8 win team. I think if you force his hand, it sounds like he thinks 7 is more likely than 8. Uh, I am much more bullish on the Wolverines than most people this year. Um, as I talked about, the, there's talent here, folks. There's Don't let anybody tell you that, oh, Michigan, they just don't have the talent. I mean, they have more talent than every team in the Big Ten other than Penn State and Ohio State. Is their, le is their talent level on par with Ohio State's? It certainly is not. It is not. They have not gotten there. We thought that was going to happen when Jim Harbaugh came here. It has not happened. That 
is inarguable. That is not debatable. But do they have talent on level with Penn State? Heck yeah, they do. There's no question about it. In the past three seasons, this is where Michigan's ranked in recruiting, according to 247 Sports Composite Rankings. They've ranked number one in the Big Ten, number two, and number two. Every year ahead of Penn State. So the talent is at least on par with Penn State's. That is just a fact. Are they going to play to that level? Hey, I can't guarantee that. Nobody can guarantee a five-star is not going to be a bust. But this is what we're talking about. They're recruiting at a high level. Not at the highest level, but they're recruiting at a high level. So I don't want to hear about how this team doesn't have talent because they do have talent. And not only do they have talent, for the most part, they have played to their talent. Believe it or not, I know people will tell you that Michigan constantly underachieves with the players that they have, but they really haven't. You know, the the um, athletic, and this is not an athletic-sponsored podcast, by the way, even though I keep saying it over and over again and I have had their guest on, although I'm not opposed to being sponsored by them. But they they in their state of the program, they have a chart that shows the recruiting from 247 Sports, and they have a uh, Massey ratings that shows how the team has produced. And other than last season, the data points were almost in the same exact place. So for the most part, they've kind of, you know, the, we've said this before. They win the games they're supposed to win. They lose the games they're underdog, quote unquote, supposed to lose. But, you know, before last season... We're talking nine wins, 10 wins, eight wins, 10 wins, nine wins. So if Michigan goes eight and four, Jim Harbaugh is matching his worst regular season in Michigan, at Michigan. So eight and four isn't a lot to ask. Eight and four isn't necessarily even keeping your job, depending on how things go. I I agree a lot with Austin, what he said in terms of it's not just about the win-loss record it's it's a lot of it is going to be about how the games uh, go. I, I I really really do believe that, you know, and and who you beat and who you lose to and how you look in those marquee games. How do they play against Ohio State? How do they play against Penn State? You know, do they go eight and you know, listen, pie in the sky. Let's say they go eight and four and beat Ohio State. That's way different than going eight and four and getting spanked by three touchdowns in happy Valley and ending the season with a 30, 40 point loss to Ohio state. So I think that that's definitely going to play a big role. Now where I may be too optimistic, where I may, uh, maybe where I should be more worried is the turnover that Austin brought up. There's a lot of new coaches on this team. And I think it was, I think overall, it was a good move. I think it was the right move. This staff uh, got more energy. They added six new coaches. Five of the six are under 40 years old. Um, All of the coaches that were brought in, whether it's, you know, Hart, who's got the Michigan connection and, and is considered very good 
uh, as a running backs coach. He's also um, very much credited for being a good connector with the players and a good bridge from the coach to the players. He's the kind of guy that really uh, gets the, the, the can take the temperature of the locker room, which is important to have in your coaching staff. You have a Ron Bellamy, another former player who, you know, had success coaching high school, who's got a lot of connections in the recruiting world. Um, you have Mike McDonald, 34 year old, uh, former linebacker coach of the Baltimore Ravens who came in, obviously, uh, highly recommended from John Harbaugh, Jim's brother. You don't think he's going to tell his brother to hire a guy uh, as a favor who's not going to help his brother's program. So, you know, he he was considered an up-and-coming riser, a future potential NFL defensive coordinator. Um, so I, I think what they did with the coaching staff was phenomenal. I think big picture-wise, it, it could really help the program down the road. This season, could it lead to some rockiness? It, it possibly, possibly, you know, maybe I'm overlooking that. I will concede that. And I try to look at things from more of a positive uh, perspective and the potential because I, I kind of don't get the, the need to wallow in misery before the misery even comes. Like, let's get, you know, let's get miserable when they lose. <laughs> let's enjoy this time while we can. That's how I kind of view things. Maybe that's my background as a Mets Jets and Knicks fan it's like the don't worry about being upset about your sports team they they'll get you there it'll happen let's not get yourself there so let's be optimistic as the season goes in but I try to be realistic as well so that's a lot of turnover could it be too much in one off season in one year where it, it almost feels like year one of a new coaching staff even though it's not and I think the program is viewing it that way, as Austin said. This really feels like a fork in the road type of year for the program, where it's yes, obviously six and six is not going to cut it. And I think if they go six and six, uh, Harbaugh is definitely going to be out. Obviously, if he goes ten and two, his job is safe. Probably nine and three as well. Uh, when you talk about a seven and five finish, an eight and four finish, as I mentioned, a lot of it's going to be how did you lose. How did you lose? Did you get your doors blown off? Did you look like you didn't belong on the field? Or did you look like, okay, okay, here we go. Okay, we're not too far. We're not too far. We can play with these teams. It, you know, So I, I think that's going to dictate a lot of the future. So this is a huge season, in my opinion. The biggest year for Harbaugh, probably since year number two. And it's a fork in the road. What direction is this program going to go in? Are the doubters who, who, who are saying last year is an indication of what was wrong with the program and why Michigan should move on from Jim Harbaugh, were they right? If they were, the way the new contract is set up, the Wolverines, the program, the university are able to move on a lot easier than, than they were with the previous contract. This is an incentive-laden contract. The buyout is way low. So if that's the case, Michigan can move on. But obviously the hope is that we see progress, that this defense, that these four and five stars on, on both sides of the ball start producing, start looking like a star-laden uh, team, which they have the potential to be. Do, do we finally have an answer at quarterback? Whether it is week one starter Cade McNamara 
or it's true freshman J.J. McCarthy. You know, that's a picture where seven and five could look great. If you're four and five and Jay McCarthy comes in under center, leads you to three wins, upsets Ohio State. Seven and five, you you're, you feel like you, you almost made the playoff, right, in that scenario. So it, it's a huge monster season. I, for one, am going to make the choice to be optimistic until I have reason not to be. Um, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and I'm going to take the over seven and a half wins just because I think there, I think is just value. I think you're just getting value. Now you're talking about a guy who has never won fewer than eight regular season games since he's been at Michigan. If you want to go back to his Stanford days, he's gone seven straight full seasons with winning at least eight regular season games. So to ask him to only do that, doesn't seem like you're you're really taking a monster monster risk here you know what what is the floor here at Michigan I don't think they're gonna lose much more than five or six games at max so you're you're, you know you just got to win a couple more than that in terms of cashing in on the over on the overplay so I, I think they're you know taking off my fan hat putting on my 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 gambling hat um I think there's just too much value there for Michigan at seven and a half wins with what with the with the track record that they have, with the talent that they have on the roster. I think they're getting undervalued and downplayed um, in the public, which is a rarity for Michigan. It's not often you could potentially get value with the Wolverines. I think this is the one year you actually can, so jump on it. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed uh, the first show. It's been a little while since I've been behind the mic. Uh, hosting a podcast so I do feel a little rusty so I hope you stick with me as I'm sticking with the Wolverines I think you know it's going to be a fun season it's going to be an interesting season for sure I know some of you are skeptical when I say it's going to be a fun season but either way it's going to be an interesting season and I just love the idea that hey they're going to die trying <laughs>